Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, February the 1st, 2024. It is currently 4.19 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I did not intend this in any way, shape, or form, but it looks like, well, today is all about the number seven. That's kind of what has happened. We did a broadcast earlier where we started looking at seven words of wisdom, seven words of wisdom for 2024. We looked at two words. We didn't get very far, but we started, I was going to go live now and, well, continue looking at those seven words, but... Well, now, instead of looking at seven words, we're going to look at seven signs. Seven signs. And these signs deal with something that I have talked about endlessly, it seems like, on my podcast and and in preaching and in teaching. And every time I talk about it, it is somewhat controversial because there is a mindset within the evangelical world. There is a mindset in the Christian church at large that basically acts like, now they they always will qualify this and try to kind of, they'll take a couple of steps back, but over and over and over, they make it sound like that once you become a Christian, in fact, they will say this, once you become a Christian, you're a new creature, the old is gone, everything is new. Now they say that as if that is true practically, but wait a minute, if, if that is true practically that you're new and the old is completely gone and everything is truly new, if the old is completely gone and everything is new, if that is actually true practically, well then you should be sinless because that would mean the sinful nature is gone. The sinful nature, if you're going to say if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature the old is gone and all is new. If you're going to say something along those lines, well, ladies and gentlemen, you're just, you're claiming that practically the sinful nature is gone. Therefore, sinless perfection is not just a possibility. It's a probability. It's likely, in fact, it should be expected. So we will say, if anyone's in Christ is a new creature, you know, the old is gone, all is new. And then we'll say, but, 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 I mean, no one's going to be perfect. Well, wait, 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 no. If you're new, so they confuse what I think is positional realities with practical realities. Positionally, I'm a new creature. All the old is gone and everything is new. That is true positionally in Christ because the imputed righteousness of Christ has been accredited to my account. I stand before him perfect, holy and righteous, but practically I still have a sinful nature. But Christians will constantly, they'll look at scripture like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Or they will say, if you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do this, you're probably not saved. And you say, well, so do I have to do it perfectly? Well, no, no, no. I mean, you can't do it perfectly. Well, how much do I have to do to prove that I'm saved? Well, I mean, there'll be something and they can never really quantify it, but they, there's just this mentality within the Christian world that basically You can do it. In fact, it is common in preaching to say that now that you are a Christian, you can say no to sin and yes to God. Well, if I can say no to sin and yes to God, then you're telling me I should be able to be sinless. Well, no, you can't be sinless. And it's all this like double speak and it's maddening to me. And I don't know how Christians never get frustrated listening to it, but they'll be in the pew going, amen, and clapping. That's true. I can do it. And it's like, but you keep sinning. So then you have to start convincing yourself that you're not sinning. It is, 
It is maddening. It is it at times it it almost feels like almost delusional. Almost like how out of touch can we be with reality? The reality is is you sin and I sin. In fact, let me just give you some basic scriptures, right? Let's start in Matthew 5, 45. Matthew 5, 45, which is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, which is constantly taught in an incorrect way. It's constantly taught. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus making sure we truly understand the true nature of the law. And what the Sermon on the Mount should lead you to by the time it's over is, I can't do this. I don't do this. I failed to do this. I'm a sinner. And then you say, well, what's my only hope? The one who preached the sermon, obeyed the sermon. Therefore, in him, his obedience is imputed to your account. In other words, it should drive you to a savior. But somehow we look at the Sermon on the Mountain like, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. This is how you prove you're saved. And it's like, no, no, it's law. It's supposed to condemn you. But people don't preach it that way. But in the Sermon on the Mount, which this constantly always gets overlooked, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, be ye therefore perfect. Be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. It even clearly qualifies what that perfection is. I am to be perfect as God is perfect. Okay, well, that means I'm to be like God. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, you can't do that. Your response to that verse should be, I can't, I need a savior. Okay, there you go. But we take it like, do it. And then, and, and then we'll try to somehow, and then try to walk it back. You can't, you can't water it down. Be perfect as God is perfect. And you say, well, I can't exactly, but Christ did. Therefore in him, you are perfect in him. You are perfect in him. You're a new creature. The old is gone. All things have become new in him and practice. You're still a sinner. I, I, it, this is such a, it sounds like when I, when I teach this, it's amazing how controversial it is, but people are just brainwashed into thinking and trying to believe something that is so far from reality. It's not even funny. Let, let's look at another scripture. First Peter chapter one, first Peter chapter one. Everyone knows this scripture. First Peter chapter one, verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Be holy as God is holy. Now, if you think for one second that you're as holy as God is holy or that you can ever achieve that, you're literally delusional. You, if you're walking around saying, I'm as holy as God is holy, you're insane. Okay, you, you, need, you, you, don't, you don't need spiritual help. You need mental health. You need a mental health expert immediately because you're, yeah, that's completely delusional. When it says, be ye holy as I am holy, the thing should be like, well, woe is me. I can't exactly. But in Christ, I can be holy as he is holy because his perfect holiness and righteousness is imputed to my account by faith alone, apart from works. That's the whole thing about a correct understanding of justification. But wait, there's more. Matthew chapter 22. I'm just looking at a few scriptures. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
So do you, I mean, come on, just be honest with yourself. Do you, have you ever, even for a few minutes, loved God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Have you ever truly loved your neighbor as yourself? You fell constantly. Now, here's the reality. You're never perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You're never holy as God is holy. And you never love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And you never love your neighbor as yourself. You're in a perpetual state of failure to these commands. Therefore, you're in a perpetual state of sin. Now, why can't you obey them? I will argue because you have a sinful nature and that would indicate in my mind that the sinful nature is still dominant. Now, when I see that, Christians lose their mind. The, the sinful nature is not dominant. I've been set free from the sinful nature. Well, if you've been set free from the sinful nature, then be holy as God is holy. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Love him with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor yourself. It should be easy because you've been set free from the sinful nature. I will argue you've only been set free positionally. You are still very much bound by it practically. How do I know you're bound by it? Because you can't be perfect. If something is literally controlling you and not allowing you to reach perfection, the thing not allowing you to get there is controlling you because if it wasn't controlling you, you could do what that thing is trying to stop you from doing and you can't do it. That's why we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. That's why we're saved by an imputed righteousness. We are not saved by an infused righteousness, which is taught by Roman Catholicism. This is a critical issue. Now, I said we earlier, we, we started looking at seven words of wisdom, and now we're going to look at seven signs. Now, what signs could be related to the topic that I just laid the foundation down for? Well, I just saw this article just a few minutes ago. Just a few minutes ago. Are you ready? This was published on January the 31st, yesterday. I don't have the time, but I just saw it today, February the 1st. Seven signs that your sinful nature controls you. They believe that we need seven signs to see if our sinful nature controls you. Now, what I'm, this is my, now I have not read the whole thing yet because you know what I love to do? I like to, I like to do it in real time, right? With you. So we're going to read this together in real time. You can find this article at the Christian Post. If you go to christianpost.com, you can find it and you can read along with me and you can see how many words I don't say correctly, but that's okay. All right. But you can look at it. Now, my, this is my guess. I haven't read it yet. My guess is they're going to say, hey, here's seven signs that your sinful nature, nature controls you, but it doesn't have to control you because you are a Christian. You don't let it control you. You control it. Well, again, if, if, if I'm free not to be controlled by my sinful nature, then I should be perfect. And if you say I can't be perfect, well, I'm sorry, then it shows it controls me. You can't say the sinful nature doesn't control you, yet you can't be perfect. If it doesn't control you, you should be perfect. I, I don't know how Christians can't ever hear how foolish and contradictory they sound. Hey, you've been set free from the bondage of sin. You can do it. I can, I've been set free from the bondage positionally, not practically, because if I've been set free from it practically, then I would be sinless. And if I can't reach the level of sinlessness, what is controlling me? Oh. <gasps> 
Ah, I wonder, could it be the sinful nature? But let's see how they're going to approach this, all right? Now, in, in, the, uh, epi- in the episode earlier today, we started looking at seven words of wisdom. We only made it to two. I hope we can make it further through these because I have a feeling these are going to become very redundant and I have a feeling these are going to irritate me greatly and I have a feeling that this is going to lead to one of those wonderful, I so love, it's going to be another one of those encouraging YouTube messages or YouTube comments that I get telling me, you're too emotional, all you do is rant and rave. Okay, well... Um, you do have a million other podcasts to choose from. So, you know, you don't need to tell me you're not going to listen anymore. You can just stop listening. I mean, right now, if you're telling me that means you want to either have a conversation or you just want to, I don't know, be rude. I don't know, but okay. But maybe it's because your sinful nature is controlling. Okay. I digress. I digress. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. First paragraph. Everyone lives under the influence and control of something or someone. Everyone lives under the influence and control of something or someone. Now, I do believe it is true that we live under the influence of something. And I believe we live under the influence of a sinful nature because the sinful nature is not eradicated until glorification. Now, I do believe, therefore, we find ourselves in a conflict because as a Christian, we're now being influenced by the word of God. We're now being influenced by what scripture says. So we have that influence of scripture. We have the influence of God and we have the influence of our sinful nature. So we find ourselves in perpetual conflict. Sometimes the 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 things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. But the will is present. I will to do the right thing. Well, where did that will come from? Now it comes from my salvation. There's a will present. But doesn't mean I'm going to perform it because I still have the sinful nature. But all right, let's continue. The two biggest influencers of human beings are man's sinful nature and God. You were born into this world with a sinful nature and it clearly began to manifest itself early in your life. Now, okay, praise God. We're on the same page right here. We are born into this world with a sinful nature. Amen. I completely agree with that. Do you have any idea how often your sinful nature has controlled various aspects of your life? For that matter, how would you even realize if you were living under the control of your sinful nature? Here are seven signs that your sinful nature controls you. All right. Now, this is, this is seven signs that our sinful nature controls us. Seven signs that our sinful nature controls us. Are you ready to find out what these seven signs are? Are you ready? Are you ready? I, I hope you're ready. I, I, I hope this is going to be somewhat... Um, Beneficial, somewhat advantageous. Well, we will find out. Here we go. Number one. Now, I, I don't know if I should start with seven and move my way down to one or start with one and move my way to seven, but we're just going to start in the order the article gives us. So number one, here's how you know your sinful nature controls you. You ready? You spend much of your time thinking about how to gratify your sinful desires. So your sinful nature controls you if you spend much of your time thinking about how to gratify your sinful desires. Now, I will argue, does it even take, does it have to be my sinful desires? 
Could it not show me that my sinful nature is controlling me if I just spend most of my time thinking how I can gratify my desires and my wants? Because I think we're perpetually living like we spend most of our day thinking about how we can gratify what we want, our needs and our desires. Seemingly, and because, guess what? Sin is simply the exaltation of self. It That, that just simply shows you're living for yourself. You're pursuing your self-interest. You're being selfish and being self versus being selfless. But okay, so how much time do you spend thinking about how to gratify your sinful desires? Probably more than you even want to admit. Now, again, maybe you can try to convince yourself, well, I'm not spending time trying to gratify my sinful desires, but then it gets very, it gets very murky. Like, because you could be just trying to satisfy yourself, your flesh, but it, would that not possibly be a sign of, of sin considering you're supposed to be dead to self, denying self? You're supposed to be loving God supremely? So I, I, I don't know. That, that don't really clarify it. They just simply put, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Okay, well, that's simply what your fleshly nature desires. I think we pursue the fleshly nature 24-7, whether it's something explicitly sinful or it's just self-serving. But okay, so there's number one. You spend much of your time thinking about how to gratify your sinful desires. Number two, you find yourself unable to obey the Lord and submit to his commands, and you even harbor some hidden anger at God. So if you find yourself unable to obey the Lord and submit to his commands, then your sinful nature controls you. (laughs) Newsflash. This would prove we're always controlled by the sinful nature because you can never truly obey God and submit to his commands. Because to truly obey God and to submit to his commands would mean you are being obedient internally, externally, and you're doing so perfectly and you're doing so perpetually. But we are not submitted to God in our minds and our hearts and our desires. We disobey God continually. Let me just give you command, some commands. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Be holy as he is holy. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're unable to keep that, well, that proves that you are, well, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, are you're controlled by your sinful nature, right? That That's what it demonstrates. That's what it proves. Well, I'm telling you, th- then everyone is under the, everyone, the sinful nature controls you. They say you find, if you, this is how you know you're controlled by your sinful nature. You find yourself unable to obey the Lord and submit to his commands and you even harbor some hidden anger at God. This is, ladies and gentlemen, this is our perpetual life. Then they simply quote Romans 8, 7 through 8, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. 
So then they take that to mean, so they're just taking these individual verses, ripping them out of any, any perpetual, any context at all. And just saying, Hey, if you can't obey God and you can't submit to his command, you're controlled by the sinful nature. Well, then that's everyone because no one truly obeys God and submits to his commands. Because if you break one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. You're in a perpetual state of disobedience. You're in a perpetual state of sin. If you don't realize that, you are delusional. You're, 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 you're living in a land of self-righteousness. So number one, the w- number one way you supposedly know that you're controlled by the sinful nature or the sinful nature controls you is you spend much of your time thinking about how to gratify your sinful desires. Number two, you find yourself unable to obey the Lord and submit to his commands and you even harbor some hidden anger at God. Number three, you constantly choose to pursue sin rather than to follow Christ as Lord and Savior. How do you know your sinful nature is controlling you? You constantly choose to pursue sin rather than to follow Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you constantly choose to pursue sin. You constantly choose to pursue selfishness. You constantly pursue pursue the love of self over the love of God. You constantly pursue the love of this world over the love of God. And don't even try to pretend that you don't. You spend most of your life and time pursuing things of that you want. Rarely are you giving up everything just for God. We all do this. They, they, they quote, again, scriptures just ripped completely out of context. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So I guess if I'm constantly choosing to pursue sin rather than to follow Christ as Lord and Savior, I guess I'm going to hell. So I guess this is just, you know, this is, comes down to, I guess no one's going to be saved. I guess according, except for the person who writes the article, because supposedly I bet you they do everything so perfect. Yeah, I'd like to have a video of what's going on inside of their mind and heart, but okay. Uh, Galatians 6, the one who sows to, to please his sinful nature uh, from the nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Well, that seems to imply that I have to do something in order to be saved. And they say, no, you don't do it to be saved. You have to do it in order to prove you're saved, which means I have to do it in order to be saved. But I'm not going to go and get into that never-ending battle. The point is, you constantly choose to pursue sin. You constantly choose to pursue that other than following Christ as Lord and Savior. Number four, I mean, they offer no explanation for these. Number four, you claim to love God, but rather than loving people, you have a simmering hatred for others. So you claim to love God, but you, but instead of loving people, you have a hatred for others. Okay, I see plenty of hate within the Christian world, how we mock and call people names, and, and I've seen it all, so... We constantly realize we don't love people the way we're supposed to. We constantly don't love people the way we're supposed to. It is a perpetual problem within the world of Christianity. Christians don't love people the way we're called to love people. We don't. We have bitterness. We have, I mean, that's why there's so many church splits and fights and Christian marriages fall apart. And and you just, there's plenty of a lack of true biblical love in our life. Why? Because we have a sinful nature. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Yeah, we, 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 are, we, we, we may be a liar, but it's a very common thing in, in the life of believers. Here's number five. 
Rather than relying upon Christ's death on the cross for salvation, you're trying to earn your way into heaven by your deeds. So, so your sinful nature controls you if you're trying to earn that is played here. Because I think many Christians do that, but they play the little game. Well, I'm not trying to earn my way into heaven, but I have to look to my deeds to prove that I'm going to heaven. So you're saying your deeds don't earn heaven, your deeds prove you're going to heaven, but if you don't do those deeds, well, then you're not going to heaven, meaning you have to do them in order to go to heaven. No, 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 I do that to prove it. You're still looking to your own deeds and your own works instead of looking to Christ alone. Okay, but this supposedly proves that you're controlled by your sinful nature. Is you're rather relying upon Christ's death on the cross, you're trying to earn your way into heaven. Then number six, now these, they offer maybe a little bit more explanation. The Bible assigns sinful labels to your life due to your persistent and deliberate sins against God and your lack of repentance. The Bible assigns sinful labels to your life due, due to your persistent and deliberate sins. Then they quote, do, not, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So what they're saying is, see, if you do these things, well then, well, you, you, you're, I guess you're controlled by the sinful nature. But I'm going to say that those things are probably much more present on a continual basis practically than we want to admit. Now, I think they, they forgot to quote the next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, uh, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. Now, I think, I've, uh, 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 and by the Spirit of God, I got, or I'll, I'll read the whole thing, but you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I think the point is, is that I was this, but positionally, I'm no longer that. In Christ, I'm fully sanctified. This is not saying I'm being sanctified, I am sanctified. There is a positional sanctification. There, there's a positional justification. That is definitive. It is done in Christ Jesus. So the, I, I don't know exactly what this is supposed to be. I don't know exactly how you're supposed to in interpret this. You know you're controlled by the sinful nature because the Bible assigns sinful labels to your life due to your persistent and deliberate sins against God and your lack of repentance. Well, I'm sorry, you have per persistent and deliberate sins in your life every single day. You have perpetual sin in your life every single day. I, I don't know how Christians constantly convince themselves that they are somehow without sin. You're, you're, there's sin all the time. You can, be, you can be these things in your mind. You can be these things in your heart, even if the action is never present. They go on to say, the Bible never uses such labels to describe believers. Even when those believers still struggle with one or more of these sins, scripture only uses labels for those who continually to pursue sin and do not repent of their wicked behavior. I don't know how you can, you can say that. See, so you can struggle with these sins, one or more, but you're only labeled this if you continually pursue it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are continually in sin. This Christianity struggles so much with this reality. We don't want to admit it. You, even if you 
Even if you are not committing certain sins, there are other sins that you are clearly engaged in. And if you hear that, and I'm trying to keep a straight face, I don't know if you hear the sound. There's a bunch of kids outside. They're just screaming. They just find, I guess they're out of school and they just want to scream. It's like 80 degrees outside. So the kids are all running around and they're just, I, I don't know what the name of the game is today. It's just this high pitched scream. Okay, but all right, I apologize. All right, now, hang on, that's back. Okay, all right. Okay, now we'll go back to to this. I'm, I want to open the window and say, hey, kids, do you mind? I'm trying to teach a very important theological lesson here, okay? But here's the reality. We're all in a perpetual state of sin. And what they want to do is try to draw, no, 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 no. See, it, it, you're only labeled this if you persistently do it. Well, you persistently do sin. So then they will say, well, I mean, if you only persistently... You can try to you can try to remove certain sins and say, well, you don't persistently do that one, but you're persistently doing some sin. And if you don't believe me, I I I you know, as technology moves forward, I I, I do believe the day is going to come that there's going to be some device they're going to be able to put in your brain and all of your thoughts and all of your desires can be projected onto a screen. And I would love to see the first church service where that gets utilized, right? All these people are like, I do not perpetually sin. I'm I'm a new creature. The old is gone. Behold, all is new. I, and then all of a sudden, like, really? Well, look at you, Bob. It looks like you got a lot of stuff going on on the inside. Well, hey, Karen, you've got some problems going on right there. And I think nobody would want that hooked up. Nobody would want to see it. Well, it's the reality. So why don't we admit it? But we try to create this theology. They're like, no, 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 no. See, so what they're basically saying is this is how you know the sinful nature controls you, but you don't have to be controlled. Well, then that means I should be sinless. So number seven, I don't even get number six. Number seven, you live for self rather than for Christ. You live for self rather than for Christ. Right? Yeah, Neuralink. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was going to say Neuralink, but that, that to me, that's when I saw the articles about uh, Elon Musk and Neuralink, I was like, here it is. It's going to happen. The, uh, it's going to be able to take everything inside of us. And all they got to do is hook it up to a monitor. And I'm guarantee you, everybody's going to be like, forget this garbage. Forget. I'm not. If you're going to hook me up to that, I'm not going to church ever again. But I mean, all the Christians who talk such a big game, I'll be, I'm a new creature. The old is gone and, and I don't sin. And I don't know what everyone else's problem is. <laughs> Let's hook you up first, buddy. After about five minutes, you're going to be turned off and you're going to walk away broken and humiliated. But you shouldn't walk away broken and humiliated because you're just like everyone else. And the reason we're in church is because we're all sinners in need of a Savior who's greater than our sin and who saves us, thank God, not based off an, 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 an infused righteousness, but based off an imputed righteousness where I'm declared to be that which I am not. But number seven, if number seven proves that we are controlled by our sinful nature, then ladies and gentlemen, we're all controlled by our sinful nature because it says you live for self rather than for Christ. If you even try to convince yourself for a second that you live yourself for Christ and not for self, I'm sorry, you live for yourself constantly. You live for yourself all the time. How many times in the day were you like, ah, I don't, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to go to church, or I'm not going to pray, or I'm not going to read my Bible, because you're living for self. 
I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Right. I've been crucified for Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That is the reality of my position. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Yes, the life I live, I live by faith. I live my life by faith in Christ and in his righteousness for me. But guess what? I'm still very much consumed with self. Now, here comes their big finale here, all right? The world teaches men how to build up self. Christ teaches his followers how to die to self. No, the Bible tells us to die to self. I don't know if we ever pull that off. In fact, I say we never pull that off. Christian discipleship involves a unique unique approach to life and one that you only experience after being converted by God's grace and faith in Christ. Believers in Jesus are saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and forgiven. And all of those things are positional realities. They have nothing to do with my practical reality. I am redeemed. I am saved, redeemed, born again, justified, and forgiven. Those are all positional realities. Practically, I'm a sinner with a sinful nature. God's word instructs Christians, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought, uh, brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. Well, sin was not my master position, uh, positionally. It's still my master practically. And See, the minute I say it's my master pra- practically, everyone loses their minds. But here's the key. If it's not your master, be sinless. And if you can't be sinless, why can't you? What is keeping you from it? The thing keeping you from it is your master because it's controlling you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's going to go over well. As you examine your life today, are you controlled by your sinful nature or by the Holy Spirit? God's word declares that you are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, again, they're just grabbing parts of verses. Let, let me read this again, because listen to what they're implying here. If you examine your life today, as you examine your life today, are you controlled by your sinful nature or by the Holy Spirit? God's word declares that you are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, And if anyone does not have the spirit, he does not belong to Christ. The implication is there. If you're controlled by the sinful nature, it's because you don't have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're not saved. So if you go through those seven things they gave you, if you, if you, if it's demonstrated that you're controlled by the sinful nature, according to this, you are not saved. That is the clear implication. Well, if you're not saved because you show that the sinful nature is controlling you, then no one is saved because I've already articulated to you, if the sinful nature is not controlling you, then holiness should be the expected reality. But you're not holy as God is holy. You continue to sin. Why do you continue to sin? Because you have a sinful nature that is still controlling you. If you're born again, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and Christ lives in you through your faith in, in, in 
and the Savior. In addition, you have been set free from sin and have become a slave to righteousness. I've been set free positionally, not been set free practically. Are you trusting in your own efforts for salvation or in Christ alone in a sacrifice? Examine yourself to see whether you're in the face. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Of course, how am I going to pass this test? I got to look to see if the sinful nature is controlling me. If the sinful nature is controlling me, then I'm not saved. All right? Well, that, good point. Well, someone just said in chat, uh, the Holy Spirit must be faulty by that rationality. Well, what they would say, it's not that it's faulty. It's just that you don't have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're not saved. But I would agree. If I'm supposed to have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is supposed to then do all of this stuff, well, then all this stuff should be, a, I shouldn't have a problem. But then they will just say, well, no, this just proves you never had it. So it's not that it's faulty. You just didn't get it. And you're like, well, how did I not get it? I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, the proof that you put your faith in Jesus Christ is that you have the Spirit. Now that you have the Spirit, dun, 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 you're Superman and you no longer sin. Well, I mean, and then they'll back up a little bit and say, well, you still may sin, but it's not like sin's going to dominate your life. Well, but if I can never be holy, and if I never can be perfect, and if I can never love God with my heart, mind, body, and soul, then I'm perpetually in sin. Well, and then they just make excuses, and then it's just double speak, and it's just maddening is what it really becomes. And then they say, are you sure that heaven is your home? Are you relying upon the gospel for salvation rather than the law? It sounds like all you've given me is law, 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 but okay. If you are currently controlled by your sinful nature, God calls you to repent and believe the good news. You will, all, you will always be controlled by either your sinful nature or by the Holy Spirit. The choice is yours. You're either going to be controlled by the sinful nature or the Holy Spirit. The choice is yours. So I have a choice to make. I'm going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Dun, 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 dun. I should be sinless. Now, but they would come back and say, well, no, you're not going to be sinless. Well, then that means I'm clearly controlled by the sinful nature. If I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, I should not be sinning. Now, what is absolutely disturbing by this article, it's written by a Lutheran pastor for crying out loud. The Lutheran pastor, your theology is about law and gospel, and you just turned this into a, a, a gospel of law. Now, the comments under here, I'm just going to start reading some of these comments just to show you how, I, I, so, look, sometimes I, I look, I just, I'm just going to be honest with you. So many times when I read something like this, which is just a, it's a logical mess. It's just in it. There's no explanation. Scriptures are being ripped so far out of context, but they're never stopping to go, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because it's just, look, there's a logical progression of thought, all right? Can you be sinless? If you say, no, I can't be sinless, I can't be perfectly holy, I can't be perfect, I can't love God with all my heart, my heart, body, and soul, I can never do those things perfectly. The minute you say you can't, that indicates there's something preventing you from doing this. That which prevents you is controlling you by definition, but you can't turn around and go, no, 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 no. You are not controlled by the sinful nature. You can be controlled by the spirit. And if you're controlled by the spirit, then you're going to be able to do all of this stuff. You can't say that and then turn around and say, well, well, I mean, you can't do it perfectly. 
If I can't do it perfectly, the thing stopping me is the greater power. It is the greater influence, which would mean my sinful nature, therefore, then, is greater than the Holy Spirit. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is just there to seal me till the day of redemption and to keep me, and that the reality of my Christian life is my positional standing, which is holy and perfect, but practically, I'm still going to sin. But here's some of the articles. The first one, someone just writes Hebrews 10.26. They just put Hebrews 10.26. They don't offer any explanation. They put Hebrews 10.26, which says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. So I guess what they're saying is after you get saved, if you sin, I guess then there's no more sacrifice for sins. Obviously, this person has never understood that Hebrews Hebrews is written right before 70 AD. And this is a warning to Jews about not returning back to Judaism because it's about to be removed from the face of the earth. And there'll be no more sacrifice. There'll be no more anything because their entire religious system is about to be wiped off the face of the earth. But hey, who cares about understanding scripture in its historical context? We can just rip scripture out of context and basically say, hey, after you're saved, if you sin, well, then you're lost and there's no more sacrifice for sin. Well, that's a comforting word. Ah, gotta love evangelical Christianity. Someone else said, a lot of these describe someone on social media who I knew and felt called by God to end our friendship. She's a witch and is becoming more and more proud of rebelling against God. I was hoping to plant a seed and I did I did, I, and I did of sharing the gospel and she blocked me. Sin is something to be ashamed of, not proud of. Okay, I really don't know what that has to do. Well, you know what that shows. Hey, she didn't, this person did not read the article and look to themselves. She looked at the article and looked at someone else. Oh, how, that's so uh, Christianity. Someone else posted If you're born again, you are a new creature. The old sin nature has gone. So they believe in the eradication of the old nature. But then watch this. Here we go. Here we go. This person believes in the complete eradication of the old nature. And then watch what they say. Nevertheless, we still currently live in earthly tents of the flesh. (laughs) Hey, the sinful nature is gone, but we still have a, a a sinful flesh. So the nature is gone. So we have the flesh. So how is the flesh different than the nature? If the nature is gone, then my sinful my sinful flesh still can prevent me from being holy? Or does this person believe I can be fully holy? See, I don't think Christians have even a coherent understanding of any of this. They go on to say, but we Christians need to renew our minds to the Bible truths of our new identity. We have received a gift of righteousness. Yeah, that's... That's an imputed righteousness, but you know, hey, what do I know? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so we are perpetually qualified to receive all of God's blessings. We are right. We are the righteousness of God in Christ positionally. We, We have received the gift of righteousness positionally. I think I said perpetually positionally. All our sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. Now, if all of our sins are forgiven, then how can you look to someone who's sinning and say that proves they're not saved? 
because that sin has been forgiven. So how could it prove that they're not? Okay, I, I don't know, all right? There is no condemnation for us who, who uh, for us from God, even if even when we sin. Okay, I agree with that. Sin no longer is our master because we are not under the law, but under grace. For us, Christ is the end of the law because himself is our righteousness. Hey, we're no under, so sin is no longer our master. See, this is such typical Christian talk. Sin is no longer your master. Well, if sin is no longer your master, then you can be sinless. Christians lit. I don't get it. On one end, we want to say, sin is not your master. However, you can't be perfect. What is stopping me? <laughs> As God's children, everything he has is already ours to be received with thanksgiving and shared with others. Certainly praying in tongues edifies our mind. Okay, I... So that I don't, this is obviously from some charismatic, no wonder they have, who knows what they're saying, okay? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice, but charismatic theology to me is incompatible with even trying to understand scripture, much less anything else. Now we're going to be praying in tongues. I don't even get that. So I don't even know what they're talking about. All right, next. Thanks for another great article. Yeah, I don't know what was so great about it. Another one. Very accurate and very good reminders. A very, another person, very good summary of sinful deeds by human nature. Okay, I don't really know what that is. And then lastly, excellent advice for all. I, I don't know how this is excellent advice. I don't know what, I don't get it. So those are the seven signs that you're controlled by the sinful nature. And what's clearly implied in the text is you don't have to be, it's a choice. You can choose to be controlled by the Holy Spirit or you can choose to be controlled by the sinful nature. And it's also clearly implied in this in the article that if you're controlled by the sinful nature, you're not saved. But you can be controlled by the sinful nature. Let me go to number seven, simply because you live for yourself rather than for Christ. I was just telling you to, you know, how many hours are in a week? And keep track of what you do with all of those hours. And I guarantee you'll see most of those hours are focused on your needs, your wants, your responsibilities, and not on Christ. <sighs> so let me just articulate it one more time. If you claim that practically we are a new creature and that the old is gone and all things have become new, if you believe that, then you believe in the eradication of the old nature. And if the old nature is gone, and if you believe we've been set free from the bondage of sin, and if you believe sin is no longer our master, if you believe all of that, well, then you have to answer me this question, why then can we not be sinless? Why do we continue to sin in thought, word, and deed by what we do and leave undone? Why are we in a perpetual state of sin? Because if there is something stopping me, from being perfect, then clearly I'm still in bondage to it. Clearly it is still master. Clearly it is still in control. So either you have to believe sinless perfection is possible, it's probable, and anyone who doesn't reach it is most likely lost. That would have to be your theology. And so you just will go ahead and condemn yourself because I'm telling you, you're not get, you're not there. Or you have to rethink re your whole theology and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe there is a positional reality and a practical reality. Positionally, I'm free. I'm holy. I'm perfect. I'm obedient. I'm a saint. 
I'm, uh, I'm all of these things. I am without sin. I am righteous. I am holy. I am perfect because of imputed righteousness. But practically, I'm still a sinner. I still have a sinful nature. And I am still dominated by sin to, the, to this extent. I cannot reach sinless perfection. I cannot be perfect. And sin is a daily reality in my thinking, in my heart, in my desire, and in my actions. And if you deny that, you are delusional. And you're not acknowledging the reality. Everyone who knows you sees every single day. The only person not seeing it is yourself, meaning you're blinded, which seems to prove that the human heart is deceitful above all things. And self-delusion, self-deceit is the most difficult to free yourself from. But God's word says we are sinners. It paints this picture, but most of that is positional realities, not practical realities, because if it's practical realities, then we wouldn't be sinning all the time. There you go. Seven supposed signs that you're controlled by the sinful nature. And almost all seven of those <laughs> prove that we're controlled by the sinful nature. And you say, well, oh, what does that mean? That means you need a savior. It means you need an imputed righteousness. It means you need grace. It means you need mercy. And it means you need to acknowledge where that sin is. And then we strive and fight against it. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. You guys have a wonderful evening. Thanks for tuning in. God bless.